I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, Season 2, Episode 9. So psyched for you guys to hear this conversation today. I left this convo with a similar feeling as I did with Noelle Winters, who was on the show a couple episodes ago. Today, I'm talking to comedian Maddie Smith, who, like me, grew up in a larger body and lost weight in her early adulthood, like toward the end of college, same time that I did, and felt similar pressures that I did um, when it came to weight and body image that played into the weight loss a lot. And since then, it seems that Maddie has reached an equilibrium with eating and exercise, and I really applaud her for that. But we bonded a lot, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. And hopefully, I mean, I keep thinking that since I keep having the experience of talking to people and realizing, oh my God, our experiences are so similar. I'm hoping that a similar thing is happening for you guys and that there are people listening to this show who can relate to some of the stuff that we're talking about and maybe not feel so alone in all of this. That's my ultimate hope. But I wanted to just talk about one thing before we get into it. As you guys know from season one, I got very much into re-watching The Jersey Shore in quarantine. Such a fabulous show. I remember being, I believe, 19 or so when the original Jersey Shore came out, and it was just the greatest thing ever. I mean, I used to watch it with my sisters, and I watched it with my roommates at college, and at that time, everybody was watching Jersey Shore. Now, In the past few years, they have rebooted the Jersey Shore, um, and now there's a new show called Jersey Shore Family Vacation, and all the OGs from Jersey Shore are back, and some of them have had journeys since the original show. I mean, a prime example would be Mike, the situation, Sorrentino, who has gotten clean and sober since his Jersey Shore days, and really is such a great guy. I mean, it it is insane what substances can do to your brain and how being addicted to drugs and alcohol made him such an aggressive person. But when you see the situation on family vacation, he is just the sweetest, most docile, settled person. He's always giving advice and he really is an inspiration. What As I'm watching this show, I'm I'm inspired by him and I don't even have a substance abuse problem and I am inspired by the situation. It also documents him in the days before he goes to jail for tax evasion. He spent eight months in jail, which is absolutely insane. I mean, one could argue that he definitely should be serving time for committing that crime and not paying his taxes as a rich person. You know, rich people should pay their taxes. But 
it's also very upsetting on the show to see somebody who's worked so hard and so tirelessly on his sobriety and appears to have done everything in his power to get on the right track. Um, It's disheartening to see him go to jail in the show. I mean, he's out now. I'm not watching this in real time. So all's well that ends well, I guess. But, um, But that is one interesting aspect. Another interesting thing on the show that I found to be fascinating just because of my interests and everything that I talk about on this show is Vinny Guadagnino, who now refers to himself as the Keto Guido. He says he's lost 50 pounds going on keto, and this is basically his whole characterization in the new reboot of the Jersey Shore. He's always talking about being the keto guido. He's always peeling the toppings off pizza, showing off his body. He did a special run at Chippendales to show off his new keto body, quote unquote. And as I'm watching this show, it's very clear to me. I'm on season three right now. Um, It's very clear to me that he is dabbling in disordered eating and I think some of it is played off as a joke on the show but literally this guy they'll order pizza at night and he's peeling the cheese off pizza in multiple scenes he chews food and then spits it out which is not a good habit I mean I I was never a chewer and spitter but I knew girls in college that were chewers and spitters it is pretty disgusting. I mean, objectively, it's pretty disgusting. But it's also to be doing that on TV, you got to be pretty far gone. So I started stalking him to see if there was any validity to this theory that, that I have that he basically has an eating disorder at this point. And I found this post on Instagram that he wrote about his keto transformation. And this is what he said. He said, I've discovered the fountain of youth. You ready for it? Stop eating sugars and grains and instead 98% of the time eat real food like whole eggs, bacon, butter, fatty steaks, fatty fish, and plants and exercise a few times a week. When I ate sugars and grains, I was 50 pounds heavier and looked 10 years older. Uh, Debatable, but... I look around and feel sad and angry for the majority of the population who drink diet soda and artificial sweeteners and stay away from saturated fats. This is why I started this page, to take away the stigma that saturated animal fat clogs your arteries and instead teach people the truth. Sugars and grains will cause diseases and obesity before anything else. I bet if older friends and relatives who suffer from chronic disease stopped eating sugars and grains and started eating real foods, in many cases, they would drop off their medication and not to mention lose a shit ton of weight naturally. But instead, they're taught to eat whatever they want and let the medicine keep the disease in check until the medication won't save you anymore. I'm speaking generally because everyone's food sensitivity is different, but in most cases, this will be the truth. Um, this post really got me fired up. I mean, there's so many things wrong with this post, but to tell people stop eating sugars and grains and instead 98% of the time eat real food like whole eggs, bacon, butter, fatty steaks, fatty fish, 
and plants. Okay, since when is sugar and grain not a real food? This verbiage around dieting um, and, you know, diet culture has invented this as well. You know, the, the clean eating or eat clean foods, eat real foods. This is all diet culture disguised as something else, which is wellness, which I also hate. So, you know, that right away put me off. And then him saying, I feel sad and angry for the majority of the population who drinks diet soda with artificial sweeteners, yada, yada, yada. He is admitting right here he feels sad and angry for people who eat differently than he does. I believe this anger is coming from internalized fat phobia. He definitely felt really bad about his body when he weighed more. And this was kind of a quick solution that helped him lose a lot of weight. So now he's angry at people who don't follow that. That really stuck out to me. I think that word, I'm angry for them, is so indicative that there is a bigger problem here. And then, I mean, what bothered me the most is then he goes on to make all of all of these health claims that he has no business making. I do appreciate, you know, one part that I agreed with was him saying, let's take away the stigma about saturated fats. Yes, beautiful. Take away the stigma of saturated fats. We now know that our fat-free mentality of the 90s is so not necessary in order to live a healthy lifestyle. However, saying that going on a ketogenic diet will reduce chronic disease, it's not something that is proven scientifically. And I don't think this is anything that he has any expertise in, just having gone on the diet and lost weight and possibly felt better. You know, I'm not discounting that possibility at all. But these health claims, I mean, it, they're really problematic. And so I am saying RIP to the Keto Guido. I don't want him actually to die, okay? I actually really like Vinny as a character. But this was so problematic on the show. And I mean, it kind of fits in with, um, I talked about this on an earlier episode. I believe the episode is called The Grenades of the Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore has a long history of rampant fat phobia that has been okayed by everybody and seen as a joke. And this kind of goes into that. Vinny plays off his eating habits as a joke. You know, he calls himself the Keto Guido and it's, it is really his lifestyle, but it's also supposed to be played as a joke. And I don't think it's a joke. I think going on this kind of diet, and I say this all the time, is a gateway to disordered eating. And this is total evidence of that. So I would encourage you guys when you see posts like this on Instagram to really take it with a grain of salt. You know, everybody thinks that their diet is the best diet. And guess what? In truth, the best diet is no fucking diet, okay? Don't listen to Vinny Guadagnino. He is not a dietitian. And, um, you know, I, I think we're all allowed to do whatever the fuck we want with our bodies, okay? If you want to be keto, be keto. But don't be preachy and say, you know, if everybody else did this, then we would have no chronic disease. That language can be really 
triggering to people. And I think with somebody as a who has a platform like Vinny and has so many eyes on him, I think you have a responsibility to be mindful of the words you use and actually researching what you talk about and actually having knowledge about what you're talking about, which it it does not seem like he does. It seems like he read a diet book and he copied and pasted what he read in the diet book, which is all brainwashing, diet culture, mumbo jumbo. So Vinny, if you're hearing this, I think you need to rethink your ways. But that being said, I will continue to watch Jersey Shore Family Vacation because it is wildly entertaining. And um, I'm just going to have to block out everything that the Keto Guido says because even I found it triggering. And uh, I mean, like I said, I'm so past all of this stuff and I'm so past being influenced by people who say their diet is the best diet. And um, I don't feel that I need to go on any diet, but just some food for thought, so to speak. And now let's get into today's conversation. Like I said, Maddie Smith is a hilarious comedian, but she's also very thoughtful and she talks a lot about body image in this interview. She talks about her journey growing up with a single mother who was a dieter and who she modeled that behavior after, which I can relate to a lot. Um, I could relate to her on pretty much everything she said, so I hope you guys do too. And that being said, I hope you enjoy this convo with Maddie Smith. Pour tequila in my wine, now I'm feeling fine. I wanna waste your time like you wasted mine. You walk into the party, I see you in my peripheral. Trying not to stare at you is motherfucking difficult. What am I feeling? I'm staring at the ceiling. Don't wanna let you know I want you, that shit's too revealing. I. So I. Okay, guys, my guest today is a hilarious comedian. You may have seen her on Wild and Out on MTV. You may know her podcast, which is that time of the week. Credited on Instagram as like the view, but better, which yes. I think is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Addie Smith, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to of be here. Of course. Uh, you know what? You've been on my list for a while because, and we were talking about this before the mics were on, but you and I fit into this very sweet spot of like people who came of age as, you know, chubbier kids and mm-hmm. then into adulthood, like early 20s, ended up losing a bunch of weight. And that for me was such a mind fuck. It was like going my whole life with people perceiving me one way and then all of a sudden they perceived me a different way and I was very hyper aware of that I don't know if you had that experience so fucking hyper aware I spent my entire and I moved a lot as a kid so I was always on the fringe and was always like how can I be one of them to me the only way was through weight control and (laughs) that's that was I how I saw it when I was like 20 so when I lost a bunch of weight when I was 20 21 people started talking to me and when you're 21 (laughs) like guys you know how you got i have to approach men but guys would come 
to for the first time in my life. And when you're 21, I think you're more impressionable than when you're like 16. That's Absolutely. Like because you're not afraid. You're, you're like not afraid. You're hypersexual. You're, you like want to get out there. You want to experience things. And you are kind of like drunk with power a little bit. I mean, I yes. also talk about like, it made me very uncomfortable too. And it still mm -hmm. does like male attention makes me really uncomfortable, but I also really wanted to experiment. And like, I didn't have a lot totally. of experience with boys up like before college. So having that experience, I was just like, all right, I guess this is what we do now. Like, I right. guess we just fuck all the guys. And it's funny because I saw a clip from your podcast and I don't remember what the subject was, but it was, you were talking about having a hoe phase yes. in yep. college. And it's funny because I had a hoe phase too. And I was wondering, I could be completely off base with this and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but for me, it was kind of like, I had really low self-esteem and mm -hmm. I'm not saying everybody who acts like a hoe has low self-esteem. Like no. you can be like, do whatever you want. Yeah. But for me personally, it was kind of like, I had very low self-esteem. So then when I went to college and there's this culture of, we go out and we get blackout drunk and we're hanging out with guys and, you know, getting loosey goosey. I kind of had this mentality of like, okay, well, um, if there's a guy I like and like, I see him out and we're drinking and he wants to go home with me, like this might be my only chance. Literally. I 100% agree. I would pin 98% of my hookups and one night stands to low self-esteem. Yeah. I <laughs> like the guy, not, I don't want to put it at, I don't want to sound shallow, but a lot of the guys were fugly as fuck. I just wanted to be wanted, <laughs> you know, and I 100%. went to a percent. I went no, to sometimes it's even better if they were ugly because then right? you wouldn't feel yeah. like I uh there was a time when I, I needed everybody to be like more attractive than me right because I was trying to prove a point too and then some girls <laughs> yes. I know like will only date people who are less attractive than them because like they want to be the right. I think it can go right. either way but I'm sorry what were you saying you went to a state school oh I went to a state school where you know, it's hard when you, you, I went to a liberal arts school where already the ratio of men to women is low. And then the attractive men to women, there's one for every 99 women. There's so and many half, half of them women, are gay and half of them are gay. So there's one half of a guy available <laughs> to you. <laughs> so you just get hammered and you fuck like the ugliest dude you can see and be like college. You just blame it. You're like, yeah, I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. Like blame it on the goose. Got you feeling loose. Yeah, blame it on the goose. Got you feeling loose. I would say I entered college with the mindset of I'm supposed to fuck a lot of dudes. Yeah. And I, yeah, like you said, I didn't have a lot of experience with men before that. So I used that as my phase to do that. And they all made me sad. And I feel like if I entered college, just liking myself a little bit, I wouldn't have had all those experiences. Yeah. And like, we're definitely not alone. I think college yeah. for a lot of people, like that's a time where you're trying to find yourself and you want to fit in. And it's also like you lose all your friends. Like I was thinking about this the other day. There's no other time in life where like you willingly just throw away all the friends you've ever made. I mean, for you, it was probably a little different because you said you moved around a lot, but yeah. for most people, like, you know, the same people for 17 years and now you're expected to start in a new place and like present yourself as this 
uh, debutante or something. And like, you want to be the hot girl, you want to be the popular yes. girl. And it's so much pressure. It's a lot of pressure. You have to, uh, it's so much, you have to like, sh- like thrive in all sorts of body, academically, socially, and, and all on your own and stay on top of that shit and like reinvent yourself and pay money to do all of that. It's way too much to handle. You're so right. Like they should be paying us to go to college. They should be paying us. I think um, about this all the time. There should, if you are going into debt for college, there should be no GPA. I fucking paid 50K <laughs> for like a mid three GPA. If you're going to pay 50K and go in debt for it, 4.0 across the board. I'm not absolutely. Serious. Also, that was a state school. Like we're not yeah. even talking about the, the real no. deal private no, schools. Either. Like you pay an arm and a leg. What's I agree. SUNY Geneseo. It's up near Rochester. I went to SUNY Binghamton. Oh my God. I never knew that about you. Yeah. Wow. Geneseo is a bit different though because it's smaller, right? It's It's like, and it's like in cow country. Cow country. It smells like shit and it's so cold. It's cold in Binghamton too, but Geneseo, like the further up you get, it's so cold that you just have to black out to stay afloat when you go out. So everyone's an alcoholic. So you, I've heard you say this before, but you were like a heavy blacker outer heavy 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 like the first time I blacked out I woke up and thought I'm fucking awesome and then I did that like 80 more times so you didn't find it scary I should have but that's the thing I had such low self-esteem that when people said you were so funny last night you were all over the place you threw up most people would be like oh that's scary I was like I was cool I was the center of attention even if it was the bad way even if I was saying like things that were inappropriate people were like it was funny though and I was like I'm doing that again and did you do, did you ever do anything that you actually regretted? Yeah, mostly, actually, it's hard because I only within the last couple of years have I sort of found my sense of self. So back then it was toggling between like, I hate myself for that. And like, oh, I'm awesome. I hate myself for that. Yeah, I crushed it. I'm the cool party hard girl. Actually, no, you shouldn't be. I toggled <laughs> between like blackout queen and hating myself. embracing it versus being like this is actually really bad right and then so it was like that throughout college I'm assuming and then at what point were you like I want to lose weight or I want to make this change so when I was in college I lost weight while still blacking out and uh it was a little thing called not eating (laughs) Yeah, there's so a word I, for that that I didn't, I just recently learned drunkorexic. It's like girls who don't, uh, drunkorexic. I mean, it's not a medical oh, term. Oh, drunkorexic. Yes, 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 yes. But, you know, it's like and girls who would... eat all day and then they consume yeah. so much alcohol. We did that all through college. We all, And it wasn't ever, oh, I'm worried about you, Kristen. It was like, yeah, we're eating like so we can black the fuck out tonight. Yeah, like and on purpose. So on purpose so we can disappear into an abyss and destroy our brain chemical chemistry just so we can black out so so like junior year of college I lost like 60 pounds doing the old 1000 calorie diet five yeah. miles running a day did you use like one um, of those counters I think I started using it and then I kind of just ate the same thing every day yeah eventually uh, I started no like eventually it's just you just know but that's when yeah. it starts getting dangerous is when you can just mm-hmm. look at any food and you know mm-hmm. how many calories are like your brain is like a mental scale. It's awful. 
and I'm still there. I'll still look at a banana and be like a hundred, maybe a hundred ten. Yeah. And it's like still trying to get away from that. But back then it was very strict, like sub twelve hundred uh, a day diet. And which so is star. I mean, that's starving. That's pretty is- severe. It's pretty severe. Of course, it wasn't, you know, super low. It wasn't, it wasn't like, yeah. don't eat anything. It was like, oh, I'm not dangerous. I'm just being healthy. Shut the fuck up. That is, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I eat 1200 calories now, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the fuck out. And that's like before lunch. So, <laughs> well, especially if you're, if you're exercising, because I know that Ex- you exercise a lot. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, everyone's like heavy exercise does not go hand in hand. With a- any diet that's sub like 2000 calories. In my I, I, but I don't, don't know no. how people did it, but I, but I'm not even, I did that too. But even yes. now I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? How, how like, did I, do that? I think it's just the self-hatred was so mm-hmm. strong that like, I would have done anything at that point. Anything. But like, um, I've said this on the podcast before, there was an actual tipping point for me, which is like really, um, it's almost hard to talk about because I, I, it had, my sister was getting married Mm -hmm. and it's like the most, I I didn't bring this up to my sister for a very long time because I didn't want her to think it was her fault because it absolutely was not. But my sister was getting married and there was this whole pressure, mostly from my mom to, for us to all be in great shape for the wedding. Classic mom. Classic mom. And classic mom in that like she thought she was being sneaky about it you know like I remember we we went to a diner one day and she says to me and my sister she's like I think that we should all get in good shape for the wedding like we should all try to lose weight like get get in shape and my sister just looks at her she's like well I'm definitely going to and (laughs) Yeah. I remember that moment being like, she's talking yes. to me. Like she's talking to me. Right. Not really saying let's all through do this. group talk. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like she's, she's trying to soften the blow type of thing. And so th- I was already feeling the pressure that like I needed to look a certain way to be her maid of honor, which is fucking ridiculous. Like even saying it now is so ridiculous. ridiculous. Then when we go to the uh, bridesmaid dress fitting, I hear my mom outside the fitting room talking to my sister and saying like, yeah, well that, that dress would be good. Cause you know, it hides like the stomach oh. area and like, oh. you know, and it, it was so embarrassing and yes. so hurtful that yeah. I went back that semester and I was just like, this is it. I'm just, and this I swear it. to God, they had to cut the dress in half yeah, and sew wow. the two halves together. And then, of course, if I don't know if your mom did this, but my mom would be like, are you eating enough? I'm like, she's always like, you're getting too, I'm like, bitch, you did this to me. <laughs> well, that's like the great paradox of parenting yes. is, is like, and I don't know, um, I don't, I don't know if it's like specific to certain cultures. Like I know, you know, for Italian people or for Jewish people, like a lot of cultures, it's like the way that you show love yeah. is by pushing food on your children. Right. Right. But that was always a thing was like, my mom would always ask me if I was, if I ate enough, she would always, you know, we would share meals together. We would, I mentioned, we went to a diner, like we'd go to diners together and get like breakfast for dinner. And yeah, it's always like a, a big part of our relationship. So then 
I wondered like on the other side of that, why are you also being so critical of this body that you are contributing to? I, I have a theory of like our generation's moms, they are boomers. So their moms were even more fucking nuts. They to their faces would be like, you're getting fat. And like my mom was rude as hell or my mom's mom was rude as hell to my mom. And so my mom has been on a diet since she was 20. So it's been all through my childhood. So like every sort of diet culture thing has been ingrained in me since a child. Because you would see her do it, even if she wasn't encouraging you. Yeah, she never said anything like, you need to lose weight, you are getting larger. But to herself, she would say, I need to lose 50 pounds by the summer. I'm doing the Atkins diet. I'm getting a new treadmill. And so when you see that at age seven, you're like, oh, bodies should be small. <laughs> totally, totally. And it's it's crazy because at age seven, you're still relatively small. Like yes. even if you're not, you know what I mean? It's totally. It's, it's so crazy. Um, I read a statistic that the average girl, um, or maybe it wasn't the average girl, but like the majority of the girls who took this survey were aware of their body or wanting to lose weight from age six. Dude. It's so fucked up. I think I've had body dysmorphia since I was in the womb because I remember like sitting in in like a church pew and being like, I have big thighs and I wasn't even like a a large child. I was like slender into like high school. But where did these thoughts come from? I think I think you're so right that it mostly came from the behavior that was modeled to you. Yeah. But you also made the point that like, we can't really blame them. Like they are. And when I say them, I mean, our parents, like their behavior was modeled from their parents' behavior. And so it's really like up to our generation, I think, to break the cycle. And I, I, I talk about this all the time too. It's like, we could realistically live in a world where our children or our children's children could be free of diet culture. Free. But we're so brainwashed by it that it's like, even if we don't need it, we think we need it. Yep. It's so messed up. And you talk to like people who are European and they're like, Oh, we don't talk about that at all. We eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and some dessert. And we exercise when we're, we, when we feel like it and it's just part of our day. And I I think it would take like multiple generations of Americans learning from the mistakes we've made until there's we're free of that. Totally, and- totally. And there, I mean, there are a lot of other aspects to the problem that come into play. Like there's socioeconomic problems that come into yeah. play. Um, honestly, just capitalism comes into yeah, play, you totally. know, um, but on a personal level, like I think it does start with not, Yes. Like teaching, actively teaching your kids not to tie their self-esteem to their body. Yes. Um, not even to necessarily love their body, just to be neutral about it. To have a body. Exactly. And to be like, oh, I like moving in this way. I like grilled cheese and we can have it whenever we want or whenever we don't want. Like, you know, like kind of, I don't even want to be like a mom who's like full vegetables, full plant. I just want to be, I want them to have, say, I want Pop-Tarts this week. Okay, cool. Let's get Pop-Tarts. I'm going to let my kids eat whatever the fuck Let them eat whatever they want. Because once you say we don't do Pop-Tarts, they're going to binge on that when they're 17. And that's what I Totally. And that's (laughs) what you did, right? Yeah. Because we grew up in a freaking, 
Atkins vegetarian South Beach household didn't have bread for a long time and then after my parents got divorced it was like my mom and I were just roommates so I was like fuck yeah I'm eating spinach artichoke every day I'm gonna binge on every food I can because I was so it was so scarce growing up yeah I I I feel like we have the same life um we have very similar <laughs> very similar but but so I do have a question for you. Did any of those diets that your mom went on ever work for her? Or was it just like she's bouncing around from diet to diet? trying Bouncing to around, always bouncing around because, of course, she's, you know, 50 plus years old. So and it's such a, such a scam. So she bounced around. It wasn't until after my mom got divorced from my dad that she went full like lost a ton of weight. I'm pretty sure she was eating like 900. She would eat like a bowl of puffin cereal for dinner. And like <laughs> after going on like a 5k and Oh my but, gosh. At, so, at what at age what 40? Yeah, I think I was like 15, so she was like probably closer to 50. And Damn. so like um so she totally went like her own thing. Like we had different diets, but so she didn't even cook for me. There was no more nurturing in the household. She was like, I'm going to eat my puffin cereal and my fiber one bars and you can eat whatever the fuck you want. So I decided, oh, I'm going to start binge eating because it feels really fucking good because I'm isolated in my home and no one hugs me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been in this weirdo family and moved. So that's when like the binging started in high school. I don't know if I would consider it binging as much as just like a high schooler who really likes to eat. And well, that's actually that's a good point. What did it look like? Because there is a difference. I sometimes hear people use the word binge yeah. and for things that like are not a binge. And that yeah. uh, like that is an important distinction. I Totally. Think. I know. What did, what did that look like in high school? It was it was. There was not as much. There was a ton of body hatred. There was a lot of like, why does my body? But I never tied it to eating a lot. I was just very, I played a lot of sports. And so I would eat, you would come home from school and eat like three cupcakes, a pop tart, a bowl of frosted flakes and like leftover, um, pasta and then have dinner. But I think that was just Fuel. a teenager. Cause I didn't ever think I'm eating too much. Stop now that happened in college when it got like up to like four or 5,000 calories. That's okay. when I was like Googling every day. How do you stop binge eating? Which I never did in high school. So what kind of, what were you binging on the same things when you would do it in college? Like in sugary college, stuff, cereal? Sugar, it would start with like one thing and then it would end with raw oats with honey on it. You know, it would. <laughs> 100%. Yes. And yeah, a lot like, of it had to do. It gets to a point where it's like whatever you have in the kitchen. Whatever it, you have. It yep. doesn't even, you're not even tasting it at a certain point. Mm -mm. At least that's what I, that's my experience. Yeah. Like I would be eating entire jars of peanut butter. Yep. And by the last few bites, like literally by the last four bites, I'd be like, yeah. I really don't want to eat this anymore. Yeah. But I had to. It is. You a, have to. It's so like anybody who thinks that that is not a mental condition is I out agree. of their gourd because where you are when that's happening is like it, it's like a mental vacation but it's also like an obsessive compulsive like I it's need so obsessive. doing this I cannot emphasize how thankful I am that I'm out of my BED like the eye of the storm occasionally I'll eat a lot and I'll think am I going there am I going there and then I'm, I'll get full and I'll be like oh I'm actually good I did just eat like maybe a thousand calories but it wasn't anywhere close to like out of fucking control right and like so what do you think what, is like 
I mean, you said raw oats and honey, but what do you think is like the weirdest thing that you binged on or like the weirdest thing that you might've eaten when you weren't hungry type of thing? I would say the the raw oats and honey was probably tough. I mean, that's pretty disgusting. That (laughs) was pretty disgusting. Um, There was a lot of trail mix, a lot of health, faux health. You start with the faux health food, the granola, the trail mix. Um, then while you're eating, you're like, oh, oh shit, I hate myself. So you keep going. I didn't realize till literally this year that it numbs you. I did not realize. And then of course, the next day you feel like shit. So you do it again. It's like the hair of the dog, but eating. And you're like, the only way I can fuel this emptiness and this hate for myself is by eating a little more. I did not even think about that till literally this year. Well, and and it's also like, I already fucked up, so I'm a bad person. And then the feelings of guilt make you do the behavior again. It's so true. But would you ever try to counteract it by purging or restricting the next day or anything like that? Yeah, definitely restricting. So as the binging started in college, I was always Googling, how do I fix a binge? How do I, literally every single day. I, I, you know how the articles look, turn purple after you've read them? Like the first five pages. (laughs) And everybody (laughs) always comments under it, like, hate to say it, but just act normal the next day. And you're like, I'm not doing that. that. You don't understand. I have, (laughs) I have food up to my throat. I'm not acting normal. (laughs) But so I would, yes, I would restrict. There was one day in college, uh, trigger warning starvation. I went, I think like two and a half days without food just to be like, let's clear it out. We're cleared out. Oh and my, course, you must have been happens. dying. I, it was, and, uh, I'm like the editor of the newspaper. I'm like a high functioning binger. I'm like drinking honest tea until I can, uh, or like, okay, only granny Smith apples and baby carrots today. That's it and right like you invent these random rules that are not random rooted in anything i just why couldn't i just google like i don't know everything seemed because they i really feel like they didn't really talk about this until recently and and i only went to college like six seven years ago but back then i wasn't finding the information that i really wanted Cause I would Google like, how do you recover from a binge? And it would be like a live strong article that would be like overate a little bit yesterday. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, it wasn't a little bit though. It was like uncontrollable. Yeah. Like monster. there was, I think you're right in that there wasn't a lot of uh, literature like available to us about yeah. the psychology behind binging. Like, yeah. because, and also this is another thing, but you and I are, are around the same age growing up in the nineties shows like friends or yeah. Seinfeld, like these sitcoms that were on TV, it was always like the character that ate a lot was a joke. Like the character yeah. who ate a lot was like a slob or like oh. just a, a big fat guy who like yeah. doesn't have any feelings. Like yeah. I, I never saw anything portray how it actually is. Or it'd be like a yeah. Gilmore Girls where like the characters oh. eat so much and they stay tiny and yes you know there's no explanation for it or it's oh I'm going through a breakup or it's always bad things Reese Witherspoon and Legally Bond eating all the chocolate throwing the chocolate at the fucking teeth I know and I'm like pick that up I'm gonna eat that chocolate you know like wasting (laughs) it it was always part of a you're you're at sex in the city one episode where Miranda can't stop eating and she has to put cake or soap on the cake in the in the eat trash the cake can. out of the garbage yes but there's yes. never any continual hey guys i suffer from this all the women in every show eat and then stop when they're full 
unless they're talking about the issue here. And so right. there was never any, there was, or one episode about anorexia, never anything where they all fully live with this disease. Right. Well, then you had shows like Degrassi that would like right. make, you know, these melodramatic episodes about yes. eating disorders, but it would always be like, you know, these emaciated girls. Yeah. And, and so it almost, for me, it created this mentality that's like, if I don't look like that, then yeah. I'm not sick enough for this to be a problem. And you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's just due to underrepresentation, I think, because like yeah. now I obviously know that uh, disordered eating can look different for any different person. Like there could be something yeah. you would never think they struggle with their weight. That, I agree. And you just can't tell by, by looking at them. But that made me so shameful. Those TV shows that like mm -hmm. would show women like eating a lot and people making fun of them because they were going through a bad time or whatever. Right. It would make me feel like, oh, okay, well then what I'm doing is disgusting, which I already felt. I already Dude, thought it was disgusting. You know, It feels disgusting. And I am still trying to detach myself from these feelings. But even just like if Andrew and I go out to dinner, blah, 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 eat a big meal the next day, the feelings that come with that like post big meal, mm -hmm. big salty sweet meal, it like triggers like my early twenties post binge feelings of, oh, you did it again. Will you ever escape this? And I still have to detach myself from those post binge feelings of remorse. How do you do that? Like what makes you feel better about it? It's really hard because I still have, and I, I, I and have by the way, I do too. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think they ever go away because this know. is the world that we live in and Dude. we're women. Like at the end of the right. day, we're women and yeah. we think about these things. Like we are socialized to think about these things. We're socialized to think about them. I have to escape the feeling of, um, skip breakfast today or six mile run. Like, like I, and I have to be like, no, do not do that. Like, and I have to talk myself through it and, and I would love to get to a place where I go out and I'm happy and I wake up the next day and I say, I still feel really happy about that meal. And yeah. I'm still working on that. But I think like it gets happy better that I had time. it, happy that yeah. I experienced it. Excited and... to enjoy another day and choose what I want to eat today. And <laughs> mm -hmm. But I still have those feelings. I guess, you know, the whole thing happened relatively recently and I was still binging up until like, to a few years ago. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and listen, it's not, it's not linear for anybody. No, like not at it's all. you, you deal with it to varying degrees. Also the pandemic, I'm sure yes. was not helpful in not that you're all. spending more time with yourself Yeah, and the urge to like stress eat or boredom eat or whatever it is like that that's there. And that's a real thing. I agree. I think the urges both every single day, to say, let's go back to the 1200 calorie thing and let's binge are parallel for me during the quarantine because you want to control, you want to control fully, but then you also want to numb your emotions at the same time. Right. And so every day is a battle of like, eat, be normal, be normal. Well, not even normal. Just like, shut the fuck up. And just like, <laughs> yeah, just like don't eat, devote whatever so you much want, mental you know? energy. Yes. The mental energy. It, it really is exhausting. Um, and that's why 
I think the book Intuitive Eating is great. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. read any uh, books about like weight neutral stuff. But I didn't read Intuitive, but I think I read Mindful Eating, which I think is similar. Oh, it is. That is similar. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there are differences. I haven't read that one, but Intuitive Eating is basically just um, it's th- their principles to live by that allow you to like not live by any food rules. Yeah. It's kind of hard to explain because it's almost like the way that a normal person would eat if they were never taught any body shame. I know. Explaining like intuitive eating to a man without an eating disorder is like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, so, I don't know why okay. You're t- somebody wrote a book about that. Basically it's like there are different principles and one is honor your hunger. So like eat when you're hungry yeah. and which again, very simple concept. And then very another simple. one is honor your fullness. So when you're full, yes. don't force yourself to eat more again, obvious, but then there's like the further down you get in the principles, the more complicated it kind of gets. So there's yeah. one that's exercise um, and f- like feel the difference, like exercise for you. Don't exercise yeah. for some arbitrary goal that you have or arbitrary like number that you're trying yeah. to achieve. Just exercise based on the way that it makes you feel. But you're not supposed to do that until later on, because if you don't master the principles, the earlier principles, then you'll just keep tying exercise to food, which people do too much, I think. Um, But I would I would love to know your thoughts on that, because you work out. Do you work out every day? Yeah, I'd say like five, six times a week. Um, I've always been active, always was an athlete growing up. And I also got knee surgery a couple of years ago. So I oh, got damn. ACL surgery. So I kind of have to stay on top of my exercising or else my quad atrophies. If I didn't have a, because my knee hurts after like four days of not exercising. So it's like a hard okay. thing where I'm like, go easy on yourself. And then when I do my knee crumbles. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So it's kind of like physical therapy joined with exercise very physical therapy because before that I was very I was very tied to post eating exercise like exercise related to if you exercise now you can eat more later blah 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 blah. but now actually I think I can kind of fall into the intuitive eating thing because I don't really detach exercise to food anymore I mean I know I just said sometimes after a big meal I'll be like but I also resist that urge to right well, there's a difference between having a thought and and doing the behavior. And doing the thing. Yeah, totally. I agree. So I think more I'm just like, oh, that's something I do every day. Um, whether or not I eat a lot or don't eat a mm-hmm. lot. And then some days I wake up and say, I'm good without it today. And I'll walk around a little bit, but I won't exercise. Um, so for me, it's more just like a functional thing that I yeah. have to do. Um, but I definitely have detached it from eating over the past couple of years in like that's a way great. that's, that's like so really hard for people to, to do it's which so hard it's not surprising because it's like even when you go see a personal trainer they're telling mm-hmm. you nutrition tips that they are not qualified to tell you at all I cannot I went to one okay so Equinox I used to be a member and of course oh hell was, yeah fancy I know I just put on my credit card but when I <laughs> the first I went to an Equifit appointment which which is where they call you fat for an hour and mm-hmm. tell you where where they can kick your butt into shape and so this hot trainer her name was Brittany you know like dancer 22 Ugh, the I wish my name I've was Brittany. I Me just like too. every girl I've ever met who's named Brittany is just like fucking cool and like cool. Feminine. 
still a badass feminine like bubbly i know um and so she was like okay let's go over like what are you eating i was like first of all bitch aren't we talking about exercise here but i'll tell you what i'm eating and so i said okay i usually start off my day with like some toast maybe whole wheat with peanut butter and she said okay so let's nix the bread <laughs> no I literally wanted to be like, bitch, you do not know what I have been through yeah. to, for no, you to really, tell me nix the bread. Like you, I could have, like, she didn't know I've been through up and downs. I ate whole loaves of bread before. I'm just happy to be able to have breakfast and move on with my just day. Just to have a do not even Tell me. Yes. Do not even tell me to nix bread for quinoa. How fucking dare you? Oh, that's so rude. So I think so that's rude. where the dangers. That's so rude. I think that's quinoa where the dangers for of breakfast. Like, I know. Fuck off. No. At least say oatmeal. <laughs> I was just like, shut, please stop. I understand. But sometimes the health people can really trigger. That's why I could yeah. never do like personal training because they're just so rude when they don't and, even know what you've I been I mean, through. personal training sessions like give me a whole other level of um, agita that I can't even yes. like explain. But the nutrition stuff legitimately pisses me off um, mm -hmm. because a lot, I mean, let's say the vast majority of fitness professionals, you don't need any training in nutrition to get a fitness yeah. certification or a personal training right. certification. Um, you definitely need to know about the muscles and like, you need to know mm -hmm. about processes that happen in the body, but nutrition and dietetics are a whole other thing that you need to go to school for. Like to be a dietitian, you need to go to like four, four years of school, maybe yeah. more. It's very intense. Yeah. So all of these trainers being like keto for life, like mm -mm. it's, I, I, but so that's how I feel about it. But on the other hand, I can see that a lot of people work as personal trainers. It's gotta be a really competitive field. Yeah. And you must, if that's your livelihood, you must feel pressure to, if somebody yes. comes in saying, I want to lose weight to be able to, you know, push them farther than somebody else could. So true. So, it's almost more on us as the consumer to know, oh, you, sh what to know, what to expect from a personal trainer. I and think so. It's, uh, it's almost our fault for expecting them <laughs> to sculpt our bodies. And that's, it goes back to how we want our bodies sculpted rather than going to personal training for health right. and learning how to like strength train and stuff like that. But everyone's so oriented around the capitalistic body mindset. So yeah. That's why the personal trainers are also being put into the nutritionist box. Totally. And you know, it's also, uh, there are more personal trainers that are accessible to people than there are dietitians. So yeah. like the average person can't just go to a dietitian. I, I mean, like, I don't even know if insurance covers that. I've never <laughs> looked into it. But, I think it depends on the insurance, but also, yeah, totally. You know, I agree. It, yeah, it's a personal trainer is kind of like people think it's a one-stop shop yeah. to completely transform your life. Like, I think yeah. it goes beyond your body. I think it's your life. Like I used to have these uh, fantasies that I would get really fit and like mm -hmm. suddenly my life would be better. I don't know if you can yes. relate to this, but like suddenly oh, I'm yeah. living in a penthouse in fucking, um, the West village. Yes. And I have, I'm making a hundred K a year and I'm married to an NBA basketball player. Yes. You know, like totally just from getting in shape or losing right. weight or whatever. And that I think is 
all a part of this myth that's been fed to us. I it. Yeah, I think so, too. I have spent so many years being like, when that happens, things are going to change. Or right. even, um, I'm excited for that wedding this summer because I know I'll be 20 pounds, like, small, you know, like. Yeah, and, like, somehow you think you'll have more fun at the yeah. wedding you're gonna everyone's gonna want to fuck you like what are you doing <laughs> it's so weird and then you like look back and you're like oh i've spent this entire time being like when that happens and honestly the past 10 years are very vague for me because i spent the whole time like projecting like oh when i'm down to blah 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 right people will be all over me that's when stand up will blah 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 like and i've wasted so much time that is so profound what you just said <laughs> because it's like no don't wait to live your no, life for when please. you look a certain way or are way a certain amount like live your life fucking now because yeah. you're just gonna end up wasting your life you're gonna do the opposite of what you think you're doing mm -hmm. we gotta wrap up the show but maddie thank you for coming on it's so cathartic to bond with people who had a similar experience to me. Like I'm always, I'll meet somebody and I'll be like, why do I like that person so much? And then <laughs> I'll find out that they lost, right. you know, 50 pounds as a 21 yes. year old. And I'm like, we really are just all different variations of the same. I 100% <laughs> agree. I have two friends, uh, Stuart Fullerton and I think Ashley Hamilton went through the same thing. And the oh, three yeah. of us are very like we, they were both on my podcast and it was very like, we're all on the same wavelength. And it's like, and you also, like, you feel like you could talk about it for probably six hours. Hours, days. We'll go on a retreat <laughs> but, and talk about it. <laughs> but we only have a limited time. So why don't you yes. tell the listeners where they can find you and follow you? Yes, of course. I'm on all mediums or all platforms. So Maddie Smith and my podcast comes out every Monday, that time of the week with Maddie Smith. It's just uh, women vibing, all women. So it's a safe space. Oh, it's all it's all women. So it's yes. that time of the week. Yes. Ah, look how it just came together. Yes. I yes. love that. I have been saying for years, I want somebody to start an all female podcasting network. Like I just, I think, agree. Wouldn't that be just like the best Dude, work environment ever? I, yes. I've been saying this for years. Women are so freaking funny and insightful and all the podcasts are groups of men. Blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck I up. I can't listen to them. I can't listen to them. My, my boyfriend listens. Well, I, I probably shouldn't name drop, but my boyfriend listens to Come Town, and sometimes yeah. <laughs> I'll walk into the kitchen yes. and he'll be playing it on speaker. Oh my and I'm gosh. just like, oh, my ears. Hilarious. No offense to those guys. They're no. all great. It's just yeah. men talking on a recording just gives yeah. me a visceral reaction. Um, <laughs> but definitely follow Maddie. She is so funny. You're just going to fall in love with her. And that's it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, all right, all right. That was the conversation with Maddie Smith. I hope you guys liked it. Uh, you can follow her at So Maddie Smith. You can follow me at Lubination. That's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N on Instagram. And you can also follow R.I.P. Diets on Instagram at Rip Diets. If you want to support me or you just want more RIP diets in your life, go to patreon.com slash RIP diets. For $6.99 a month, you get bonus podcasts, videos, vlogs. 
you get so much more than you get just by listening to the podcast. And it's only $6.99 a month, you guys. That's like a venti cappuccino at Starbucks. Come on. We have a lot of fun over there and I'm looking forward to seeing more of you over there. And finally, if you want to write me for advice or just to share your story, you can email me at ripdiets at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys and I love answering advice questions. I hope to be getting more of them in the future. And that's it. I will see you next week for a brand new edition of RIP Diets. Peace out. (laughs) 